Hello, internet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to ChaiCast. This is essentially a podcast about South Asians blazing the field of artificial intelligence. And you can think of it as a conversation between two really close friends who are uh, really passionate about Chai and South Asia and artificial intelligence. So hello. Um, Maybe Rupal, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Rupal, Rupal Nigam. I'm currently a PhD student at University of Illinois out in Urbana-Champaign, and I'm working on human machine teaming research using reinforcement learning algorithms and all of that fun stuff. And I got my computer science bachelor's degree from University of Michigan, which is actually where Isha and I met. Awesome. Yeah. So as far as my background, I also, as Ripple mentioned, went to the University of Michigan. I majored in computer engineering, uh, initially interested in physics during high school, decided on engineering during undergrad. Both my parents are immigrants, and I stay connected to my Indian roots through Hindustani classical music and through drinking chai every day. Right now, I'm working remotely as an embedded software engineer at Disney Streaming, and as far as my background in AI, I'm not really an expert. Um, I'm not an AI engineer. I'm still learning a little bit about the field. Um, I've done a few deep learning projects through coursework, kind of just read papers on the side in my free time. But within AI, I'm interested in how models can best get optimized for uh, the compute resources that have different limitations, uh, memory limitations, power constraints. And this is kind of something I think about every day as an embedded software engineer. So uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of what I'm interested in within AI. Kind of why we started this is uh, there are a lot of resources and a lot of platforms out there right now that have emerged since the start of the pandemic. And they have been all all within the South Asian community sharing South Asian news and mental health and social justice resources. Uh, there are a lot of South Asian professionals who have grown a ton and have emerged a lot since the start of the pandemic. Small businesses have been emerging a lot too. Journalism, media, uh, all of these things. And sort of inspired by all this work, we want to highlight all the things that South Asian professionals are doing within the field of artificial intelligence because it's it's a really important field within technology, but with across multiple different sectors. So yeah, I guess, Rupal, do you want to talk about what AI is and sort of, yeah, how it's important and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to also kind of reiterate what you kind of touched on before is that neither of us are experts in AI, even if we've like used it and a few things are in there. Um, So this, hopefully you're not using this to like study for an AI class or anything. Oh, So, uh, more for general audiences and main goal, um, as Isha said, is for kind of uplifting South Asian voices in the field, but to get everyone on the same page. So AI, um, so as a Stanford computer science professor um, has said, uh, John McCarthy, it is the science and engineering of making intelligent machines, especially intelligent computer programs. It is related to the similar task of using computers to understand human intelligence, but AI does not have to confine itself to methods that are biologically observable. Um, So in general, 
AI systems, they will take in some sort of data as input, and this form of data can be like totally uh, different from each other. Like it could be um, our voices, or it could be a camera observation. So it takes in some form of data, and then it uses neural network models or other types of models to make some sort of prediction using that input. And then we get an output from that. So that in a nutshell is what AI and maybe more specifically what machine learning is. And kind of going in line with the fact that we're not experts or professors or educators or anything, um, we won't be talking about any technical details or going through any proofs or derivations. But when terms like artificial intelligence or other popular terms like graph neural networks come up, we will kind of go over um, the general definition, just so everyone, all of our listeners are on the same page there. Yeah, that was that was a great explanation, Rupal. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know, I think, I think Rupal made a really good point that this podcast is uh, more geared towards the general audience, which is why we also want to touch on why AI is important. Um, and it's not just important to the people who are developing algorithms, who are creating new data sets, who are managing teams that are developing and leveraging artificial intelligence. In the words of a, of a Stanford professor, Andrew Ng, AI is the new electricity. And he's right, because electricity powers every industry today. Um, it powers your whole room. It powers your house and your car and everything. And AI is going to be... and Really, it is now in the same vein. And, you know, computing devices and the devices that we have and their performance are, these, these devices are becoming increasingly capable of handling such complex models that are being proposed in, in papers and in theory. And they're becoming more realizable because of the devices uh, that are being developed. And AI is really useful. Um, it's it's useful in industries including medicine and healthcare, retail, streaming, space exploration, banking, manufacturing, and the list goes on. And at the same time, AI is new. Um, it's it's still very, very new. And so ethics and regulations are going to be really, really important. And so while the technology continues to emerge, um, it's going to be equally important to sort of work with policymakers and, and work on AI policies to make sure that it integrates really well with society. And so for this podcast, we want to interview uh, anyone who's connected to AI, not just engineers. So they might be people who are working on patents for AI. They might be working on, they might be directors, um, they might be CEOs, anybody really, uh, investors. And so yeah. Yeah. So I guess as far as the, the topic for today, as mentioned in the title of this podcast, we're going to be talking about chai, um, so we're not really going to be talking too much about AI yet. Uh, we're going to be talking about the origins of chai, what it is, and yeah, you know, we named it ChaiCast, so we might as well talk about it, right? <laughs> yeah, so what what is chai? Yeah, so uh, traditionally chai is South Asian tea, and it's usually made with some, uh, ginger and spices such as cardamom, milk, and then either sugar or honey. Um, but the origins of uh, chai and tea itself kind of go way back. Um, there's not really a general consensus on exactly when, so anywhere between five to 9,000 years ago. 
Um, as the story goes, there was um, a king in a royal court in India, or some people even say Siam. And the king had requested a healing Ayurvedic drink. And so this drink eventually became chai. Um, this original drink, it didn't have any actual tea leaves in it, though, until the 1800s. And tea itself didn't really get popular until the 1900s, which is when the India Tea Company advertised tea super aggressively. And the way they advertised it was by making tea breaks for workers. So there's some nice corporation capitalism uh, daily dose there. And in the in 1870, so these numbers are really wild, but in 1870, 90% 90 of the tea consumed by the British came from China, and this became 10% in 1900. So just a few decades went from 90% to 10% because they started sourcing their tea from India. Um, the Chinese supply of tea uh, became disrupted because of the opium wars. So in addition to our capitalism, we have some drug wars here as well. Lots of hot topics. And that's basically when uh, Britain turned to India. And a lot of you have probably uh, heard of the British East India Company. They established tea plantations um, in areas such as Assam. And this was pretty problematic. There was um, poverty-stricken populations um, because of this kind of new regime for tea plantations. And it's still a huge problem today, which is something we want to touch on a little more in detail um, in a bit here. And just coming back to modern day, so 1960s and moving forward, um, tea became even more popular because we had a factory and mechanized way of making tea. So those little tea bags that you'll see in grocery stores uh, pretty often, you just like tear the little bag and dip it. So it's very easy to make now for everyone. And that's, it's gotten super popular again. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Rupal mentioned, I mean, tea has, has a lot of deep history in Asia, in South Asia, and in East Asia. And I, I kind of want to touch on that last, one of the last points she made about the tea plantations in Assam and, you know, the fact that when these tea plantations were started, it was, it was problematic. There were a lot of problems um, and the British Raja was exploiting the locals in that area. And so, it's it's sad, honestly. Like we were sort of looking into the history of of tea, and I was just shook. Like this was crazy. But while the, this tea has not been sourced ethically in the past in both South Asia and in Africa, actually, we are making progress. Yes, it's still a huge problem today, um, and we have a long way to go. But there are actually nonprofit organizations working directly with tea companies to improve the lives of tea workers, farmers, and their environments. And so what you can do is like, you know, look into those organizations um, and see how you can get involved. There are ways to get involved um, as a become a member of those organizations and potentially even donate to them. And even in small ways, too, the next time you go to an Indian grocery store and you want to buy tea, and when you when you grab it off the shelf, do a quick Google search on your phone and, and check, you know, how is how is this company sourcing their tea? Are they sourcing it ethically? Are they working with these nonprofit organizations uh, to improve the lives of these uh, these tea workers? 
do your research on it. And I think that's something I'm definitely going to be doing the next time I go to an Indian grocery store. Yeah, I guess as far as tea today, <laughs> um, tea is really popular or chai specifically is very popular today. Um, and if you go to any coffee shop, you know, you'll see chai tea latte as like an item on the menu, but chai tea latte is not actually a thing. <laughs> um, the actual translation of chai tea latte is tea tea milk milk. So um, yeah, <laughs> just like keep that in mind. Um, so if you want to say chai tea, don't say chai tea, say chai. Um, and I don't know, I think I think it's pretty cool that chai has like made its way over to the Western world. Um, I feel like things have sort of come full circle. Uh, although I I personally prefer my homemade chai over coffee shop chai, and it's I don't know it's one of those things that's that's been adopted by the Western world, uh, just like yoga and turmeric and all that. But if you do go to India at any point, you should grab fresh chai from the chaiwala. Chaiwala is like a a barista essentially uh, who makes makes the chai, and you'll get you'll get really nice. Garam, Kardak chai, <laughs> hot, hot, piping hot chai. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you can make chai at home. You can you can make chai from scratch. Um, loose leaf tea with a kettle, masala, sugar. Instead of sugar, you could use honey. I, we use honey at home. I used to get the instant chai packets. My my nana and nani sent the chai packets from India all the time. Or they used to send them a lot when I was when I was in college and we got them from Indian grocery stores and tough too. So yeah. Rupa, what's what's your relationship like with chai? Yeah, uh I guess this will be kind of amusing or maybe it will make some listeners despise me, but <laughs> I actually grew up really not liking chai. The main reason for this is my uh parents are huge huge fresh like freshly grated ginger fans and ginger i have a sensitive palate so something that strong like freshly grated ginger kind of doesn't hit me the right way and they always make chai like that with an excessive amount of ginger and they know it too we're like we're kind of known as the ginger chai house because that's the only way that they make um the their chai and so I didn't like it growing up and like kind of in addition to that the only time I was really forced to drink chai was when I was sick so I think this is probably a very like brown Indian family kind of thing to do is if you have um the slightest cough or sniffle there you go chai down your throat I remember seeing a lot of like, I don't know, I guess like jokes or whatever you want to call it throughout the pandemic, even now is like, yeah, Indians, they, they've got chai to help them, you know, fight COVID. Right. Or turmeric milk or turmeric milk. Or yes. Water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I didn't really like it. And to me, there was no other tea than chai. So like in my mind, it was the same thing. Like this is the only way tea is made. And so I went like, I don't know, at least like even throughout high school, I went through a lot of my life just not having my identity being the coffee person and never anything to do with any type of tea. I didn't care that there's like black tea and green tea and whatever. I didn't want anything to do with it. And then in college, um, I just like the people I was hanging out with and things like that, I actually ended up getting 
back into this like world of chai and tea and learning and tasting all of these different ones and now it's like um it's a yeah it's part of my life again and I don't hate it (laughs) (laughs) you know RuPaul I actually remember I remember maybe we did this a couple times where we went to your apartment or someone else's apartment on campus and like Mm -hmm. like somebody like would make fresh chai and like we would just just sit there like have chai after class you know Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely that sort of, I guess, informal um, routine, if you want to call it that, that we had there. That is probably a big reason why I kind of got back into Mm -hmm. chai. And yeah, I have chai packets and other forms of tea bags in my pantry right now, even though none of those like original college friends live with me. It's like just for me. So it's back in my life. Um, I remember we talked, uh, joked, and talked about making like a chai club on campus. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Well, all you need is like six people to like say, "Yeah, we want a chai club," and then you get like X amount of like startup funding, and we're like, "We want to get custom mugs and shirts made." Oh my gosh! Oh, that's <laughs> so smart. Wow. I'm yeah, but then COVID that. happened. Oh, never did got a chance to do it. Oh no. <laughs> So if anybody wants to start a chai club. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Wait, that's so cute. I love it. I, I, I definitely would have joined. I definitely would have joined. Oh, yeah. You, yes. Join. You would have had to be there. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Drinking tea and like just chatting or like playing board games and stuff. That was kind of what we did oh, to yeah. de-stress. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I guess I guess for me, like my relationship with chai um you know so we full disclosure we say chai at home like i say chai i don't say chai like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know if this is like the first time i said it in front of a couple of friends they're like what are you talking about i'm like oh nothing (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's chai (laughs) yeah but i knew what chai was before i knew what coffee was kind of like Rupal, I wasn't a huge fan of chai. I I like I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um so there's that, but it wasn't my lifeline like it is now. <laughs> you know, it it kind of started off with the biscuits. You know, we would sit down and have chai and whatever, and I just wanted to have the biscuits um cuz it's it's like having cookies. <laughs> um so but then it it became a big part of my life once I got to college because I was missing home and I, I missed home and it reminded me of home and uh yeah and so I used to carry the instant chai packets um everywhere it definitely wasn't anything like when we were at whoever's apartment having fresh chai but it was it was it was a good supplement and we would pick them up from Indian grocery store or whatever um now I'm just a full-time software engineer and a chai geek so now you can see me just sitting there typing away and drinking my cha (laughs) so that's that's my not hate love story but I guess my my relationship yeah yeah you know I mean I think we both really love cha I think that's that's probably what everyone has gathered here but we we want to keep the ethics in mind too um as we mentioned earlier uh with the plantations and everything and AI can help too. Like the nonprofits are doing a lot of awesome work, um, but AI can help too. And at some point, something like agricultural robotics is going to help, and it's it's going to make 
the environment a lot easier and automate some parts of of that whole uh, harvesting process or other parts of the the tea production and sourcing process and make make people's lives a little bit easier. Okay, so that sort of concludes all that we had to talk about today for this episode. Uh, but we kind of want to wrap up with just some logistical things for this podcast. So firstly, we plan on doing once a month for all of our episodes. It might change, but we're, we're going to start with that. And through TriCast, we want to give, like we said, want to give a platform for South Asians working in artificial intelligence to tell their stories and discuss the work that they've been doing, their challenges. And these South Asians, many of them are immigrants. They're children of immigrants. They're South Asians living in South Asia still. And so all of them have will have unique stories about upbringing and their education and the work culture and the things that they've had to adjust to. And we also want to understand how AI can can help um, South Asian communities if that's possible. And we really want to bring in people, not just people who are AI engineers or researchers. We want to bring in, of course, the research and academics in AI. We want to bring in co-founders and entrepreneurs, um, industry leaders, investors, people in the legal sector, because they will all have different perspectives um, about this explosion of AI uh, in our society. So yeah, that concludes our episode. Thank you guys all for listening. And until next time, chai lovers. 